You're tuned in to episode 69 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So when in I times start- of trouble. Uh, uh, oh, 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 it's not so great when someone just cuts off your opening bit, is it, Kale? Is hey, it? This isn't the Kale is Right podcast. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> I called the opening bit like three days ago. So you back the fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Aggressive. All right, fine, fine. Go hit me. Hit me with your best shot. Let's do it. All right. What do you got? In times of trouble, a wise man builds bridges, not barriers. So unfortunately, we have to burn our bridge with Phil. He's fired. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I like that one. <laughs> a plus. I, uh, I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> it's been a journey. Not a good one. Uh, Phil? Uh, we wish you the best in your future endeavors. Peace. <clears throat> uh, and, no, in all seriousness, Phil is not here. Uh, he's uh, elsewhere. Not entirely sure where he is, but not here. Ohio? Somewhere. He's hanging out with his grandma and a bunch of old ladies. Ohio's not a place. Oh, that sounds Whoa, awesome. hey, man. Don't put his business on Front Street. <laughs> do you think phil would be upset that he's hanging out with his grandma it's not like i'm like all right he's at this address right now and it's like three days ago listen man people have a right to privacy okay all right fair enough yeah come on Wish i was hanging out with my grandma She's all right dead, Kale, so. th- oh well thanks a lot for really just starting us off with so much positive energy on the day after the release of Black Panther, where everybody is feeling so good about everything, that's what you hit us with? I have a response, but I'm not going to go there. So, <laughs> okay. Well, now you have to. Let's just, let's just move on. Now you have just to. Just move on. No, now you have no, to. No, 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 no. I cannot move on. The show cannot move I on. I can't move on from this. I need closure. <laughs> okay, legitimately, fine. But we cannot put it in the podcast. <laughs> well, then, I guess you can't say it because we're doing the show. Uh, I'll, I'll hear it off the air and I'll repeat it. Uh, and maybe <laughs> it'll sound better it. coming from me. I will tweet it to everyone. Maybe it'll be better coming from me. So, uh, so yeah, as I said, this is the day after the release of Black Panther. We are in a post-Black Panther world. And what a sweet, sweet world it is. Uh, we... we are reviewing Black Panther. Uh, if you're listening to this, you should be able to jump over um, and listen to the audio uh, and see the video of our Black Panther review. Uh, so if you're chomping at the bit for that, you can go do that now if you want to, or you can stick with us and hear the rest of the show and then jump over to that uh, a little later on. And of course, there are many, many ways that you can hit us up to talk to us about Black Panther because I'm sure you, like, like us, have many, many thoughts about the film. Uh, so we are on Apple Podcast Services, uh, where we are a five-star rated podcast. Um, so if you gave give us the rating, you give Black Panther. How about that? <laughs> uh, I'll take it. <clears throat> we're also on SoundCloud, where I'm very, very happy and proud to say we jumped up over 10,000 listens. So thanks nice. to you guys for that. I really appreciate that. That's really, really cool. And uh, keep it up. Uh, we are at the Comics Pals all over social media, so you can always reach out to us there. 
Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com with a buy or sell, a random question of the week, your thoughts on anything that we talk about on the show, or uh, anything that's going on in the world of comics. And last but certainly not least, we are on YouTube where huge announcement, our top five couples and comics video is out. Uh, you can check that out if you haven't done so yet. Be sure while you're there to subscribe to the channel and like the video. Um, we are very happy with the result and we want to hear from you guys and we want to hear what you think about it. So definitely sound off and let us know your thoughts. Speaking of sounding off, you guys have been blowing us up on YouTube with comments. And so we just want to get it all out of the way and address everything you guys have had to say over the last week or so. Um, so Pete, take it away. Cool. Uh, so for starters, we've got one from our buddy, Dr. Judgment. Uh, he's been real active in the comment section lately over on YouTube. Uh, so thanks for writing in, Dr. Judgment. We love, from, we love hearing from you. Uh, so he writes in on episode 46, is the comic book world turning on Marvel? So he says, what amazes me is that Marvel would think we were, we were for them. No, we are for good comics. The brand name of the company does not matter. The writers do not matter as long as they show talent. The artists don't matter as long as they show talent. Only one thing matters, making a good comic book. Once you have that, fans will buy the comic book. It's that simple. Um, I appreciate the sentiment of what you're saying, but you're not right. Uh, because, unfortunately, it's proven that that's not the case. Uh, if we divorce ourselves from talking about Marvel for a moment, I mean, there are plenty of other publishers that put out great content that don't have the audience that Marvel or DC does, and it's simply because they're not as big. They don't have the the publishing power. They don't have the machine behind them. They don't have 70 years of characters and people knowing of those characters to fall back on. Um, yeah, and I mean, if, even if you take a look at, like, The Big Two, um, a, a book that was critically acclaimed that we all enjoyed, um, Omega Men. Right. And that got canceled because it, it didn't have enough sales. And that did have a big name creator behind. I guess Tom King wasn't necessarily like a At big name point. creator, but he was he was like Vision had already come out. Like he was definitely like. Mm -mm. No, oh, it was before no. that. No. Yeah. Really? We, I thought we, it was, yep. we read it when Vision had come out. After, but it was oh, OK. Already, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. OK. So what did that come out in 2013? 14, 13. It's irrelevant. Either way, that was a book that had a lot of positive critical buzz and failed to find an audience, you know? And um, that happens all the time. Even even at uh, a company like Marvel or DC where they do have the ability to uh, to market a book properly and, and push it and have a budget. Um, so, yeah, it's it's definitely not that simple. It's also not true in any medium. There's no form of entertainment in which that statement is true. The 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 individual, the organization delivering the content matters. In some cases, almost more than the content itself. That's why some of the greatest pop stars ever have ghostwriters who cannot be, you know, actual on stage performing artists because maybe they're not attractive or they don't have that level of charisma or whatever it is that makes them not marketable in the eyes of the people who market people. That's why that's that way. Right. Yeah. I would, I would um, argue, uh, and I don't, I don't want to like necessarily get into the conversation cause this isn't VGP, but I would say that I think video games are probably the only medium where that doesn't hold true. 
um, just because of like how we've seen the explosion of the indie scene over the last couple of years. That is like one medium where most of the time, like the cream does kind of rise to the top. There aren't a lot of like really phenomenal games that are like languishing because they can't find an audience because they're better distribution platforms for people to discover new things, you know, like Steam. Um, is a really, really easy way for you to explore what's new and hot, whereas, like, that's definitely not as easy in comics. You know, we talk about that all the time. There's definitely a visibility problem for new books. Yeah, that, I, th- I would say that's probably that's probably accurate. That's probably a rare exception. Because, yeah, I mean, you could put out a, a game made by two people that is, like, a bestseller. You know, like, that happens all the time, every year at this point. Um, so, you know, uh, it... it I, I, I'm with you on this one, Sean, where, like, I, I appreciate the sentiment, and I wish it were that simple. But I think there are other issues that push back against the industry, um, or from the industry, that I think make that not exactly hold true. But even even if you look at, at Marvel, like, Marvel is publishing really good comics, and they're still, like this guy, uh, there's still this narrative that the comics aren't good. It's just not a fact. It's, it's not. But the narrative is such, and so people believe that. But it's not true. Yeah, it's funny. I actually got in conversation with this uh, about this with the owner of my local comic book store the other day, um, where I went to go pick up my books, and uh, we we were joking about about Marvel, and he was saying like, you know, the sales issue right now is like it's all cyclical. You know, it's like it, it really has nothing to do with the actual quality of the books. It's what it's that people have an axe to grind with Marvel. And he's like, you know, and it's like two, three years ago, it was DC. And it's like, and we've been saying the same thing, right? Like when we all entered the industry as uh, as like journalists, that was kind of the atmosphere at that time was that DC was on a downturn and Marvel was doing everything right and could do nothing wrong. So I, I really do think that um, a big part of this has to do with like optics of we we perceive Marvel as as being shitty right now. So we're 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 more comfortable adopting that narrative about anything, right? Like whenever it's like, oh, there's this bad headline. Oh yeah, it's because Marvel's in a bad spot right now. It's like, are they though? Like is everything they're putting out bad? From the people that actually read the books, it doesn't seem that way. So. Yeah, it's um, it, it like, like what you guys have been saying, it's it's a marketing ploy essentially to like to help like what's been going on with, with DC specifically, the, um, the whole thing with Rebirth and then um, – the continuation with of um, bringing in the Watchmen universe, like these are these are headlines and are being pushed in a certain way with a certain narrative to sort of attract and bring in people. Um, regardless of whether or not there is quality content, there is. You know, uh, the stories have been great, um, but it's also the way that they're positioning the material that they have to deliver. It, it uh, ultimately it it sort of comes down to that, unfortunately. And if you have great content. Like that's a plus, but it also comes down to the way that a large company will be like, this is the product we're trying to push. And this is what we're trying to do to get people to come to the stores and pick it up. Kale, did you want to speak on this before we move on? Uh, no, I, I agree with uh, everything we've said. So I think, uh, I think uh, for once, this is a good, pretty good commentary. <laughs> I might, I might just listen to this podcast guys. <laughs> Thank you. So thanks for writing in, Dr. Judgment. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you next time. 
Uh, all right, so Harris over on uh, – our buddy Harris writes into the show pretty regularly, uh, wrote in on episode 67, which was uh, Huge Bendis slash DC News and the importance of the Black Panther film. Uh, so on the topic of the pop-up imprint, he wrote in and said, pop-up imprint, I would pick Brian Azzarello. The revival, FTR. Oh, I mean FTRR. You get it? No. I, I don't get that. I do. I you, do. Is I'll, that a, Alex, it's a wrestling thing. Okay, that's what I figured. Uh, so here's my question for you guys. With a rumored reign of the Superman to be released in 2019, is it possible for it to end with the destru- destruction of Coast City, setting up a zero-hour story for the Green Lantern Corps movie? Uh, can can I answer this one? Yeah, or Marco. Yeah, sure. Marco has no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Coast City, uh, Aquaman oh, will be there to protect them. Wow. Uh, well... Nope. Swing, swing and oh, a miss. Okay, I, I tried. It's a, a val- valiant effort. I do appreciate the connection, but <laughs> not even close, baby. Namor. We really said Aquaman because the word coast. Was yeah, there. yeah. That's yep. a, I, that's I don't like, really know. And if you look like in the question, he lists two different DC superheroes, neither of which are Aquaman. But he said Coast City, would, so would that I just be assumed. some clue to you that maybe one of them hangs out at Coast City, and you know where Superman's from, so. Metro. No, it's Marco. He might not. Okay, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> he tried. A plus. So Brian Azzarello for a pop up imprint. I actually think that's a super cool idea. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, he's, good pick. he's got some good stuff and, and good ideas, and I'd love to see what he would bring to that. Uh, FTR stands for F the Revival. Uh, the Revival is a wrestling tag team, and uh, they're made fun of regularly by an indie wrestler named Cody Rhodes. Um, and FTRR is F, I don't know why the T's there, but F Roman Reigns, a WWE superstar. Uh, so I, I get it, but, uh, I don't endorse those messages here. Um, See, when he said FTR, I thought he was like saying, fuck the revival revival. So it's like, let's not revive them. I, I yeah, I didn't, I, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I haven't heard the rumor of Reign of the Superman film being released. Yeah, me uh, that's, neither. That's what I was going to ask. I didn't. I thought that's what Man of Steel was. Like, I didn't. I didn't uh, yeah, I haven't heard that either. Um, I haven't heard that rumor, but uh, I don't think that. It, I don't even if they even made that movie. Which, if they were by now, we would have seen some promotional material or something. Because 2019 is a year away, we would know it would be on the docket somewhere, and we haven't heard it. Um, but if that were the case, I still don't think they'd be setting up a zero-hour story because Green Lantern Corps is going to be very much about reintroducing Green Lantern to audiences who thought the first one sucked or didn't see it. And that would be a lot of, you know, stuff to have to get into a movie that's supposed to be introducing not only Hal Jordan or whoever – but then Jon Stewart, then Kilowog, and the whole core. I don't think they're just going to jump into something so massive. Yeah, I feel like this could have worked if they had, like, if the first Green Lantern movie was a success and we'd been building f- since then, like, you know, that would be okay a couple films down the road. But like you said, I, I feel like they're going to be focused on selling us on the Green Lantern, not des- destroying his city in the first movie, you know? I always thought I always thought that the Emerald Dawn uh, series of events, you know, Hal Jordan getting the ring and then Hal Jordan turning, uh, and then Kyle Rayner getting the ring and and restoring hope and and the uh, 
the power battery and and oa and everything i thought i always thought they'd make a really solid uh green lantern trilogy it's like that would be so cool too because like and they would never do this because like that's not how hollywood works but like having a trilogy of films with a hero and then seeing that hero fall and turn evil would be like so emotional you know like that would be so cool I, the problem would be Hollywood not blowing their load before the, you know, before the end of the first movie. Right. Yeah. It's like I would want two solid movies about, you know, Green Lantern. Then the third one is when he turns to Parallax and then we get the new Green Lantern. And then that same actor stays on to play the villain. You know, like that would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I feel like uh, that is so integral to how Jordan's character in the DC universe that I would honestly be surprised if we didn't get something like that. Do you think okay. it is anymore? Well, just I, not, I don't not, not now, but like how he got to where he's at. Like when I started reading comic books, um, I remember that like he wasn't trusted by people because yeah. of what happened. Yeah. And that's always stuck with me. And then like when Jeff Johns rebooted him and brought him back mm-hmm. and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like that was so important to his story. Um, I guess you could tell his story without that, but to me, from a comics perspective, I feel like you gotta have that. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, do I think this is gonna happen, like, now or soon? No. Would I like to see it at some point if they pull off a good Green Lantern movie or trilogy? Like, fuck yeah. I think that would be so cool. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, so yeah, definitely. Good, good idea, Harris. Um, so we got another one from Harris on episode 68, which was last week's show, The Future of the Star Wars Universe, or Film Universe. Uh, so he wrote in and said, Michael Bay may be an improvement, but please don't, DC. If they asked me to chop off my right thumb to stop it from happening, I would do it with no reservations. Did they not think to get Tim Miller instead? He's not doing Deadpool, so he's free to pick up Lobo uh, for, with his production studio. I'm amped for that Power Ranger story that will go. Um, that I will go as far to say that I would not wait for the trade and pick up the issues. The trailer sold me twenty times over. Cool. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. Don't don't do Michael Bay, please. Please do Michael Bay. No, <laughs> please please stop giving Michael Bay work, everyone. Like we gotta stop this. Also, Tim Miller is definitely not free. Uh, He's working well, we're gonna talk a little bit later about what he's working on, but he's working on something with Brian Bendis. Uh a secret project. Oh right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yeah, Tim Miller's not available for Lobo. He's not available. I mean, hey, they push Lobo back. Do it after he's done with whatever he's doing now. Who who's doing Deadpool two? Oh gosh. Uh I know it's not Tim Miller because I remember that there was a falling out between him and Oh Hunts, huh. but I don't. I can't. Da- Sorry, David. David Leach. Oh, okay, yeah. What What else has he done? I know he's done some other like notable stuff. Oh, Atomic Blonde, and he directed some scenes it. in John Wick. John Wick. Wow. Yeah, he's one of the two John Wick right. guys. Yeah. There you go. Okay, um, that makes sense. Yeah, and then uh, as far as Power Rangers, I'm there with you. Yeah. Right. Seems like you guys are all in for that ride. So, cool. Uh, all right, and then the last one uh, is from James McMahon, another regular writer for the uh, to the show, who wrote in on the same episode, episode sixty eight, 
and says, Venom trailer was shit. Generic crap was Tom Hardy. <laughs> like, not just they don't give anything away. Like, they didn't get anyone hyped either. Deadpool 2 trailer was very good. Told us very little. Just enough action and humor to get you hype. I am fairly hyped for that. Yeah, I'm with you, man. James, not, what language? Shame not a fan. on you. Not a fan of that Venom trailer. Uh, Deadpool's trailer was a good time. I think it's hard to argue that the Venom trailer was good. <laughs> you got a lot of people. You haven't been on the internet recently. I, I understand the argument of, hey, you know, we we held back. We you know, like we kept stuff close to the vest, and I actually think that's perfectly fine. But it's, I mean, nothing happens. It's just Tom Hardy kind of like freaking out. Like he, like right. you could put him in several <laughs> concepts for films, and like th- you could take this trailer, and it could be about that, like. Tom Hardy. It, it's a Tom Hardy movie. Yeah, yeah. Like you could, you like. I would love to just come up with several movies that there's several things this movie could be about that have nothing to do with Venom at all. Sean, can we do that yep. as a game next week, please? <laughs> <laughs> like, please, that would be so funny. We like, oh, we all come prepared with like a couple pitches of like what this movie could be about, <laughs> and that's not a good sign. So, <laughs> or even better, you go. We'll go in, right? I'll edit it out. I'll go edit out the one scene with the goop in the jar, and then the venom thing at the end, and we'll show it to a bunch of adults and be like, "What do you think this movie's about?" Yeah, <laughs> you can show it to anybody. They're not gonna if they haven't already seen the trailer. They're not gonna know what it is. Tom Hardy, like a fucking spy that has cancer. <laughs> well, this is Mission Impossible, isn't it? I didn't know Tom Hardy was in MI8. Right. Uh, so thanks a lot to you guys for writing in. We appreciate it. And of course, uh, you guys that are listening now, if you haven't uh, ever hit us up, you can do so in all the aforementioned ways. These people chose to hit us up on YouTube, which is awesome. But of course, you can also write to us at the comicspals at gmail.com. So however you choose to get to us, we will respond to you. So uh, let's talk. Now, let's jump into uh, a question that I have for you guys. Oh, uh, so does that mean it's time for the random question of the week? Peter, who are you scolding? Yeah, uh, for real. I've always thought Gee, that you know, too. you guys noticed that too, that yeah. I, yeah, for some reason the finger was, it was extra today. It's, it is like, I don't know. I think it's because this is the first time in like several <laughs> weeks where, oh God, oh God, Kale's idle hands are killing him. <laughs> well, you gotta love these visual gags for all you audio listeners. Come check out our YouTube channel. Um. It's like the first week in a long time where like I woke up, I got my tea in me, you know, I, I don't feel sick. I feel like I really got a good, a good deep breath beforehand. So I don't know. I was, I was amped up, but yeah, I guess it does kind of look like I'm just like, I'm scolding. Like I'm wagging my finger at like a, like a, a nasty child. <laughs> you nasty boy. Ooh. Naughty boys. All right. It's all, it's all you naughty boys. That's what I'm wagging my finger at. So this. No, Phil's not here. <laughs> Tyler's a naughty boy. Uh, oh, it's true. This is getting too weird. <laughs> this is getting weird. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so this week we learned the true reason why the Marvel Cinematic Universe started with Iron Man. Uh, we learned that it was as, it was a result of Ike Perlmutter uh, thinking that the films themselves would not make a lot of money, and that the toys that they would sell from the films would be what would really sell or what would really make them their money. And so in order to determine what character 
would set off the MCU, they brought in a bunch of kids and let them see pictures and video and images of Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Hulk, etc., and let them choose the character that they thought would be most fun to play with if they had a toy. Huh. And they chose Iron Man. And so that's how that kind of all shook out. So Makes sense. that inspired I didn't know that. Yeah, it's very interesting. It inspired the question if the Marvel Cinematic Universe did not start with Iron Man, but Marvel had access to all of their characters, which character should the universe have started with? Ooh. That's a fun question. I, my bet would have been Spider Man. Mm, yeah, yeah, that's who I think would have been chosen for sure. That that or um, Cap. I don't think they would have chosen Cap. I really no. don't. Yeah, no. I mean, I think if they were like starting the universe over again, right? Like, or not starting it over again, but if like we're talking about two thousand eight, we're starting the MCU and we have the rights to everybody. I would say it's either Spider Man or X Men. You know, and not just because those movies had already existed, but because, like, those were the characters that I think were... I mean, Spider-Man is the most well-known Marvel character, period. Um, I mean, I guess maybe that's changed a little bit because of the movies, but, like, prior to the MCU, it's always been Spider-Man, who is the poster boy. And, like, the X-Men were huge in the 90s mm-hmm. and, and the early 2000s. Yeah. So, And Spider-Man, uh, even through the movies and then his... Uh uh, his toys from the animated series were hot fire. Still are, yeah. They still yeah. sell. Well. Keep in mind, I'm not. I'm not asking you what Marvel would have done. I'm asking you, like, in your opinion, who should they have chosen? I mean, Spider Man. Yeah, yeah, that's my answer. Yeah, like, I, I feel like both of those are still the right choices. Like, I, I would say Spider Man because Spider Man, Spider Man. Um, but I feel like the X Men are a really smart pick too. Because the X-Men have name recognition. I think picking either of them is the smart move because they're teenage characters. And there's a reason that those characters were so popular when they came out, right? Is like the primary demographic for comic books um, at that time and for the films and cartoons now are like children and young adults, right? So like are they going to relate more to a group of teenagers trying to find their way in the world or a, you know – poor teenager trying to find his way in the world or the billionaire, right? Or the government agent, right? So, like, I feel like these characters are relatable. They have really cool powers. They make for good toys. Um, The X-Men is, like, a win all around because you can have your Wolverine as, you know, your, like, tough leading man or whatever, but then you also have, like, a, a huge cast of characters to pull from that are super diverse and, like, from every country in the world, there's just like a limitless well there, you know? Um, so I, I feel like that's definitely where they would have started. I think it would have been those two franchises kind of leading the charge. I would I would actually go a different way. I would go with the Fantastic Four because I I feel like the Fantastic Four are Marvel's first family. Um, they're the first of, of Marvel's. They're like the first major superhero team they predate the avengers um they have their dynamic um each one of them is different and has a different power set and i think that you could make a movie that can appeal to every kind of person because you could take your family to see it and they'll get something out of it teenagers can go see it and get something out of the human torch and his struggle um and i think there's a really cool story his hotness and his, and his, and his hotness <laughs> Those um, storms, man, they're a sexy bunch. 
I, I think that I think there's a lot of mileage you could get out of that. And I love the idea yeah. of setting it off with the first family. Yeah, I, I like I feel like that's poetic, you know? I, I feel like if I was in charge in this alternate universe, I would probably make them I would probably have slotted them in where Guardians was. Like more as like the bookend kind of like spot of the first round you know of like we've already established the universe and then I, I would love to do the whole like time travel pitch that we talked about where it's like they were the first superheroes and like there is kind of like a flashback segment like in Captain America but then like they got lost in space and then they come back in modern day and there's already like the rumblings of kind of like the X-Men and the Avengers are starting to show up I feel like that would be a fun place for them to to slot in. But I, I definitely see what you're saying. I mean, and like you start off real strong with a, a if it's a Doctor Doom movie, right? You introduce like the best, probably most omnipresent villain that would be in the entire series, like right off the bat, you know? And you start developing him too. I wouldn't want to do that. No, you wouldn't put Doom in the first one? Uh maybe he could be in it, but not as Doctor Doom, not as the main villain, just because I feel like that's Super played out, and I love the. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, uh, I uh, I think I think to to just sort of go with Pete's idea, you could put Victor or even just like plant the seeds of Doctor Doom, and then um, there toward the end of the movie, you could have you know when they're when they're present or whatever, you could establish him as. Doctor Doom, as we know him, you know, as the leader of Latveria, and um, yeah, that's really cool. And, you know, super, super arch villain and stuff, and and then he's all of a sudden plagued by Reed Richards again. And oh man, and if it was in if it was in the spot in the timeline that I suggested, like around the start of round two, you could have him in uh, in Doctor Strange as well. In, like, the story of, like, you know, when they, you know, they, like, were competing uh, as, like, young students or whatever, like, to show that Doom can also use magic and show that he's kind of not just the Fantastic Four's villain. He is Marvel's, like, big bad, you know? Like, that would be fun. Cool. Uh, so, let's... That was a fun question. Thank you. Thank you. Every now and then. Marco, did you have one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was Spider-Man. Okay. So let's jump into the news and let's start off with a little segment I hate to call Phil was right. No! And it's okay. I can fix that in post. (laughs) (laughs) Sean, you know I have a whole podcast, right? It's over. It's sort of our sister show. It's called the uh, the Riverdale Review parentheses Kale was right. Yeah, that's fine. I'm okay with you being right. I'm not We're okay. We can we can edit that in, and <laughs> we've got the bit now, so we can just. Uh, so the reason why Phil was right is because now uh, that there are reports coming out that suggest that Zack Snyder was actually fired from Justice League, and that he was removed from the project at least a month or so before he announced that he was stepping away due to the death of his daughter. Monumental. Uh, And it's not a far cry from some of the language that we were hearing before he actually was announced as not being involved with the project anymore. Um, But it sounds to me like there was some element of trying to save face for him by not making an announcement that he was fired. Uh, But I'm going to jump into the article now from Polygon and explain what we're talking about here. 
So uh, this upcoming quote is from Collider's Matt Goldberg. I'd heard similar things from separate sources over the last year as well. I also heard that Snyder's rough cut of the movie was unwatchable, a word that jumped out at me because it's rare you hear two separate sources use the exact same adjective. Of course, even if that's true, there's obviously more to the story, since rough cuts can be fixed up with reshoots, rewrites, etc. Uh, so that's, that's on its face, very compelling. Uh, the article goes on to talk about uh, how there were there were things coming out at that time that tap danced around the truth. And so this is coming from Josh L. Dickey, who is at JD Light on Twitter, who says, since I'm shifting into don't give a fuck mode, here's a hot one for you. Zack Snyder was fired from the DCEU just over one year ago. Couldn't write it quite that way at the time, but was able to tap dance around it. And then in brackets, he places clumsy slash oblique headline, not mine. And he links to an article uh, that went up on Mashable uh, July 25th, 2017, uh, where he talks about, and, and the headline is, Zack Snyder's future at Warner Brothers DC movies, limited at best, Dunzo at worst. And I understand what he meant about the headline there. Uh, but the article does talk about yeah, how <laughs> Di- uh, Disney Warner Brothers was clearly unhappy with the result of several of the, the movies in the DC film universe and felt like Zack Snyder was not delivering. Uh, so th- this article really kind of breaks it all down. It, it comes with... Um, uh, Facts that the rap had reported at the time that executives were concerned about Batman versus Superman and didn't think that he should be the, the director for Justice League. But he won out anyways. And um, he he actually had some backers and those backers were fired. Um, and so obviously since since at least... Batman versus Superman, there were concerns. And then after Justice League, during Justice League's filming, when they saw that they were that they weren't happy, that it was quote unquote unwatchable, they got rid of him. That's that's what's being reported. I wonder I wonder if that's uh the story with the the guy that uh was James Wan is taking over for. Do you remember? James Wan, didn't he wasn't he gonna direct uh Aquaman? Yeah, Aquaman, right. Maybe it wasn't him. It was somebody similar, though. Uh, Somebody who was big in, like, genre films and especially horror and... Oh, oh, got you. Uh, Oh, crap. I can't can't remember that guy's name right now. You know who I'm talking about, though, right? Yes, he replaced... He replaced not, not the guy we're talking about now, not Silverman, because Silverman was replaced... He was he was removed in 2016. The guy you're talking about is replacing somebody post Justice League's release, right? Because this is the third director. It's not a director. It's a it's a. This was a the president a head. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The president of. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you were still talking about Aquaman. My bad. And Sean, to cl- to clarify, is where does this fit in the timeline between him his announcement and his daughter's death? Right. Uh, so a month prior. So the announcement of um, or when when they allege he was removed from the project was January or February 
2017. And he actually stepped down in March? And then uh, he stepped down in May. Okay. Mm. And, and wasn't the thing that his daughter had died two months prior to when he announced he was stepping down? Uh, I think you're I, right. I feel like I remember she died that, in March. yeah. She died in March, so... Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so two yeah. months. Yeah. So two months before he actually stepped down was when she died. But they're saying that he was fired before that. They're saying he was fired in January or February. So that's still okay. at most two months out from when she died. Okay. So there's like four months of separation between the announcement and when he was the actual yeah. firing. Gotcha. Yeah, because that's that's what I was trying to figure out. Because like that does change things. Because if it is like he's fired, she dies, they he crafts this narrative to save face. Yeah. That's kind of gross. Um, I, I don't, whereas like if it was like she died, he gets fired. And then a month later he announces, this is what happened. I can see that a little bit more. Cause it's like, if his performance was affected by the loss and then he got fired, I can see them all agreeing to be like, Hey, we, we feel like you need to step down and take time for yourself. We are like telling you you're done, but this isn't like a fuck you. You're fired. Whereas like firing him then there's the tragedy then he tries to spin the tragedy as the reason he was fired like that is a little that seems a little like weird to me he also never says himself that he was fired he says yeah that he like he took took a leave yeah yeah which is still sort of in line with what you're suggesting because he's i mean he wasn't he he was fired you yeah, know, so and he, he's trying to save. He's clearly trying to save face. A narrative was crafted. I mean, obviously his daughter really is gone, but a narrative was crafted in light of that to save face. Because if if it came out and they announced that he was fired, that would have had seriously negative impact on his career. I would say. Yeah, and I and I, I can't imagine something like that, especially in the middle of a movie like that, is an easy transition to make. Right. You know. Oh my god, yeah. I mean, that must have been such a tortured process. You know, like, I can only imagine what it must have been like to be the, you know, the suits, as it were, like, in the boardroom, like, talking about this movie that's just fucking hemorrhaging money. You know, like, they spent so much money on that fucking movie. And, like, it was such a messy process. So... Uh, Warner Brothers did respond to Polygon reaching out to them for comment with the following. That's rare. <laughs> Zack Snyder is not currently scheduled to direct a DC film, but he is serving as a producer or executive producer on upcoming DC pictures such as Wonder Woman 2 and Aquaman. So there you go. So I think it wasn't I I think Aquaman was sort of the 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 like last set of films that were sort of announced in his little bubble, uh, right? Actually, Flash. Flash. In terms oh, that's of, right. Yeah, Flash would have been the last one. And Flash has been plagued by losing directors and yeah. know, everything else. So who knows what's going to happen with that. Same with Aquaman. Like, I kind of could see Aquaman. Like, if Aquaman wasn't already so far in development, I would, like, see it. I'm surprised it's still coming out. And, like, I think it could still not come out. Because of like how arduous it's been. Uh, like if they lose another director, like uh, no, Aquaman's done. Is is it done? Done now? Yeah, Aquaman's done. Okay, principal photography is done. Okay, yeah, yeah. Because they so they moved on to, to post. Um, no, that movie's not. It's in post. Out. It's in post production now. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, because that that's another one where it's like they have just been. It's been like a um, rotating door of, of creatives. Did you guys know Nicole Kidman and Willem Dafoe were in Aquaman? I knew Willem Dafoe. I didn't know about Nicole. I did not know about Nicole Kidman. That's cool. Dang, though. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's gonna be. I hope that movie's good. Good movie. I I, I feel like I, it will be. Jay, yeah, I think I I agree. Jay, I've got a lot of faith in James Holland. So let's let's shift gears a little bit uh, to talk about some good news as Image announces the huge promotion of Eric Stevenson. Uh, who will now become a co-owner of Image Comics? Yeah, this is huge. Yeah, so um, he's he's been involved with the company since it formed uh, in 1991, and uh, he's kind of moved up the ranks and and done different things um, since that point. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> and now he's got he's going to have. A huge job. So um, he's going to he's going to be a publisher, um, and on top of that, Image's first chief creative officer. Um, so that's that's really really cool. Yeah, that's huge. huge. Yeah, that's that's massive. Um, and so uh, hats off to you, man. Congratulations. Uh, Jim Valentino had the following to say regarding the promotion. Eric has proven himself loyal, dedicated, hardworking, patient, tolerant, talented, and nearly unflappable. His instincts and his leadership have proven a boon, not only to Image Comics, but to the comics industry as a whole. He has made us all proud. His becoming our latest partner is, in my opinion, long overdue. Uh, Prior to Stevenson, the most recent partner was uh, Robert Kirkman, who became a partner in 2008. And he, he's actually um, only the second person to ever become a partner after the foundation because mm-hmm. Kirkman was the first. Um, so this is like monumental. You know, like obviously it's always big when there's a new chief position made at a company like this. But like, yeah, like to be the a new owner of Image is not a common thing. You know, you really got to prove that you're worth something to the company. And um, that's really cool. And I, and I they said he's going to be a publisher, but he's not going to get his own imprint, is he? Or it doesn't go into that. Um, yeah, because he if, he's, if, he's continuing his role as a publisher. Okay, because I I think that to me sounds like he's going to be continuing like as a publisher for like general image titles, not you know like making his own imprint, and that'll also make him the only person who is a owner of image that doesn't have their own imprint, which is interesting. Does every other? Does every other? Yeah. Really. Yeah, when Image started, every other founding member started their own imprint, and then when Kirkman became a co-owner, he started Skybound. Oh, okay. So, yeah, everybody has one. Um, So, I mean, obviously that announcement could still come, but if not, that's an interesting little factoid there, um, that he would be the only one who hasn't. Which is, you know, I guess it makes sense when you think about his path to becoming this relevant in the company is also different from everybody else's. You know, it wasn't that he was... uh, a creator it's that he was just a workhorse for the company which is cool you need people like that he does have two two or three uh books out there though yeah Yeah, i i i I meant to say that like he didn't become a partner because of his work in comics because of his work at image you know whereas like kirkman became a partner because they're like we don't want to lose robert kirkman you know it's like the walking dead is you know bread and butter Mm -hmm. yeah 
So, speaking of image, uh, we've got a, a book announcement. Um, Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin, uh, who won. <laughs> I what? What's so funny about that? When when you said Marco, Marco waved. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, it is I. <laughs> they they won an Eisner Award for their work uh, on the Private Eye. They reunited for a book called Barrier, and it's a five issue miniseries that um, was originally published in digital format via Panel Syndicate, mm. and features colors by Months of Vincente. Uh, so this May, all five of those issues will be available in print exclusively from Image Comics. Cool. Uh, and this book sounds really, really interesting. Uh, so I'll read you the kind of pitch. Uh, Barrier is a truly unconventional drama that tackles violence, language, and illegal immigration with a shocking sci-fi twist. Printed in its original landscape format and graced with gorgeous cardstock covers, each comic is meant to be a durable work of art. And Vaughn spoke on the book and said, I'm enormously proud of this story, not least because it features some of the best artwork ever from the incomparable Marcos Martin and Munza Vincente. Everyone behind PanelSyndicate.com is so excited that Image is bringing this story to print and making these five extra-sized issues available exclusively through local comic shops. Gracias. Hmm. So that's that's, um, what Vaughn had to say. And um, the first issue actually is 50 plus pages and it's going to be available for free nice on a free comic book day wow and then what the following week a collector's edition of the issue will be released in a larger format to match the next four issues being released weekly throughout the rest of may oh wow <laughs> a larger version it's like jesus bigger than the 50 page version you're giving us for free in, that's in awesome. like not, format not like in like, no in like format yeah, yeah like physically format, yeah Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So yeah, that's that's what I was confused about. Well, not confused about, but curious about. It 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 says that the uh, they're going to release it in in the landscape format. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you uh, have. That's to. really interesting. Yeah, it's like. Um, have you ever read the Injustice comic? I haven't read it. No, but that's like also. It says it was a web book first, and it's like a lot of them have like that. It's wider, and like yeah. instead of yeah, doing yeah. the you know, it's like a it's got a way different flow to it. Um, what did, I, what did they, I never read Barrier, but I, I I saw the first issue of Morning or not Morning Glories was it Private Eye? Private um, Eye is yeah, Private yeah. Eye um, at a Comic Con panel, and uh, I never ended up checking it out just because it was through the that website, and you know that was like a, a weird thing. But um, I'm I'm really excited about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, how how did the the landscape format translate in into the physical books? Because as changed, far as- they change the. They just print it differently. I think. I think they print it like. Um, not. Not. Is it Mouse Guard that's printed? Yeah, that Mouse Guard's printed too? that way. Beardo. Yeah, Mouse Guard. Um, like a bunch of comic strips, they're printed that way. It's just. It's just a different format. You just flip the book sideways. Uh, I, I, yeah. Kelly, you're talking specifically about the flow of the book. Uh, no, I guess. I guess I'm more curious about how it's printed. So, like, you know, uh, the the Injustice books I've seen are, are regular. You know. DC trades, but do you have to turn it to to read it? So in in Injustice, when they bring it to trade, they um like combine multiple pages into re- traditional comic book pages, basically. So they read they read okay. the layouts. Yeah, 
Okay. Like they, they kind of adjust the flow of it. Um, uh, oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? Cause I, I remember when I was reading it originally, I was reading it in the volumes and then I started, I switched to reading it digitally and, uh, and I was like, Oh yo, like what's up with these pages? Um, mm-hmm. but the content isn't really changed. It's just the way they edit it, you know? Um, and uh, with this, I, I think they're they're just saying that they're going to just maintain the original format yeah. and just yeah it. yeah. Sean, okay. uh, is Bar- so Barrier is going to be available through Panel Syndicate as well. It's just being printed through Image. Uh, I'm fairly sure it's already available through. Oh, Panel Syndicate. yeah, I think it's I think it's still oh, there. Cool. Yeah, Panel Syndicate is the online platform that that it was published on. And it, it's been a digital only book for gotcha. You know, okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And private uh private eyes was the same. Thing. Right. Yeah. And and those are uh uh pay what you want so like if you want to read it you can just go on the site and you can if you want donate however much you you are willing to and uh, you just get the book yeah that's pretty cool uh so i'm actually definitely gonna pick this up because 100 yeah. brian k vaughn and um it's marco i mean yeah it's, it's marco. yeah I, I I always wanted them to do a uh, a physical release of of Private Eye as well. So like I hope they that, do. Did they? Yeah, they have one. They have yeah, one already. Yeah. yeah, they have one. Oh my I god! Think it came out Dude, like, I'm that shit like up last year, maybe. That's dope. Yeah. Um. Because yeah, right. Like it's it's BKV. Yeah. So hell yes, I will definitely be there to pick that up. And I can't believe I'm gonna get the first one on new on free comic book day. Like that's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, in news that will trigger Pete. Oh, boy. Uh, so, if I say news that will trigger Pete, what does that mean we're talking about? Spider-Man. Dan Slott. Uh, Joe Quesada. It's Spider-Man. Probably Spider-Man. It's yeah. Spider-Man, okay. probably. Uh, you're all wrong. Oh. Sort of. Oh. We're talking about Venom. That's what I said. Oh, come on. Eh, yeah. No, you said, you said Spider-Man. But that's why I'm upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so... The new rumor coming from that hashtag show who have broken, uh, who have had scoops about not only Venom, but uh, Daredevil Season 3, they're reporting that Woody Harrelson will play Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage, and that Carnage is not actually in the movie, but is a, at most... At the end of the film or an after credit sequence where Eddie Brock somehow ends up in prison and meets his cellmate, who is Cletus Cassidy, and that the symbiote, a piece of it, leaves Eddie's body and goes over to Cassidy's. And that in the movie itself, Eddie will actually be contending with the five... Uh, offshoot symbiotes, the, the the children symbiotes that spawn from Venom, and not Carnage at all, and that the sequel will deal with Carnage. Cool. No, <laughs> not cool. Did, wait, this movie is gonna have the five offshoots, and the next movie would be Carnage. Ooh. Yep. Yes, that's the appropriate reaction. That that's ridiculous like what are you talking about why would you not have the first movie like if if you're gonna go this route not only does it not make sense to have the five offspring but it's like hey you know like i know this is an intro movie we want to keep it you know simple and grounded let's have five villains in it that sounds like a good thing to do in a movie that that, that there's a year to make 
like this i really just i hope this one's just not true that's ridiculous as far as woody harrelson is as carnage like i'll take things that might actually make me enjoy this movie for fucking 500 i love woody harrelson and and woody harrelson as carnage is that's that's i mean that's spot on yeah yeah i'm upset about it because it's like a waste that it's going to be in this fucking movie yeah like the the problem the problem is that it's not like early 90s Woody Harrelson when he was young and like even a little crazier, you know? <laughs> I don't know though, dude. Like, I feel like he could really nail it now. Like, oh, I, I, I don't doubt it. Yeah, he's gonna fucking kill it. But like, right after, well, he, he did a movie where he played a, a serial killer that, um, oh, yeah, natural born oh. killers. I think that's it. Yeah, that movie's good. That like that like launched like a uh like a, a legitimate like serial killer uh like crime spree. Oh, good. Like because of the film. So, so we'll get those copycat carnages. Let me uh, <laughs> let me read uh, from the source. Uh, this is an anonymous source who had this to say about what's going to take place. We know that filming recently took place in San Francisco, and it appears that near the end of the film, possibly in a post-credit sequence, Brock will find himself in San Quentin Prison, located just north of San Francisco. At San Quentin, it appears that Cassidy finds himself under the care of Dr. Ashley Kafka, who introduces him to Brock, but cautions him to keep his distance. From what our source is telling us, it is during this meeting between Brock and Cassidy that a portion of Brock's symbiote begins making its way towards Cassidy before we are cut to black. As for which actor could be playing Cassidy, we don't have any confirmation, but we can tell you this. Back in December, Woody Harrelson was cast in Venom in a role described as a henchman of sorts. Despite numerous set pictures revealing most of the cast, not one picture of Harrelson on set ever emerged. Now, I I am very I'll be honest I'm very into the idea of Venom fighting the five children and not Carnage, and the reason is simple. Number one, uh, I don't think that Venom and Carnage should be introduced in the exact same movie. Uh, number two, I think that the five the five children don't have personalities that need fleshed out. They're not characters in the same way that Venom or Carnage are. So him him having to fight them in one movie is not a lot. It'd be like fighting it, it's like how the first Transformers introduced 75,000 Transformers. It's like on that level, if not less so, because like I said they're not different really. So you can easily do that. The real villain or villains of the movie are the Life Foundation. Those are the characters whoever is in charge there that really need fleshing out in terms of villains. These seeds, these children, they're just something for Venom to contend with. And I think that a sequel that comes out years from now that Spider-Man can actually be in, whether it's a Maximum Carnage movie or whatever it is, I think that's a way better route. Uh, I guess. I don't know, man. I'm just so upset by this whole thing. <laughs> like, just like, like he's even he's beyond reaction at this point. Yeah, because it's like you're right. Like that sounds like a better path, but it's like uh, this is just not what I want. This is not Venom. It's uh, whatever. We'll see. We shall see. Uh, yeah. I mean, 
Could be good, right? I guess. I fucking I guess, it. man. Like, honestly, if this movie's good, I'm gonna, I'll eat my hat. Like, I'm, I'll, I'm so ready to eat crow, and, like, I was wrong, but, like, I have such a, like, I feel it in my balls that this movie is gonna just be bad. Well, then. <laughs> you're gonna have to eat, uh, you're gonna have to eat balls. Phil's brother's balls. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I'll block him. I'll fucking block him on Facebook if this movie's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so ready for this movie. I can't even tell you. Well, that trailer played in my theater. Uh, I had I I had a ball making all Dude, the jokes. It's it's so funny because it, it it pulls up right. And I was like, oh, my God, I fucking hate this trailer. And I saw it with uh, Thompson from the video game pals. And he's like, really? I didn't think it was that bad. And I, I spent the rest of the trailer yes, picking it apart the entire time. And he just goes, fuck, man, you ruined this for me. This trailer does fucking suck. You're right. I was just like, exactly. It's terrible. Why do you have to taint Thompson? Because <laughs> he needs to know the truth, Marco. No. You can't just walk around thinking the Venom movie looks good. We mentioned that Black Panther is out and it's you know it's a movie and we're gonna talk about it um who are we gonna talk about it but it almost was not the first marvel film to feature and star uh in the main role a black actor uh because there was almost a war machine movie uh which is very interesting so obviously don Cheadle is war machine and uh a pitch was nearly greenlit by Marvel at some point and went as far as Marvel actually hiring a writer to uh, write the script. It was actually the writer who pitched the idea. And it was actually Joel Robert Cole who co-wrote oh. Black Panther. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So in an interview with Complex, he talked about this and he said um, – at that meeting, they also said they were thinking of doing a War Machine movie. I pitched a concept and won that job to write the script, but they decided, based on what Iron Man 3 was going to be, they weren't going to do War Machine anymore. But they asked if I'd be interested in joining their writer's program instead. So, obviously, um, Iron Man 3 features War Machine really prominently. It's it's almost like a lethal weapon buddy cop type movie, uh, in this in that in that sense. And the reason why they were considering a War Machine movie is because in the intervening time between Iron Man two and three, uh, Shane Black, who directed Iron Man three, the script wasn't anywhere. So they wanted to get something out in that world. So they thought, well, what about what about War Machine? And that would have been so cool, actually, when you think about it, too, because, like, they were dealing with the whole Tony having PTSD thing in Iron Man 3. It would have been really cool if there was, like, Tony took a break for a while and we did that, like, you know, there was, like, like point in the 70s, I think, where Rhodey was Iron Man instead. That would have been cool. If Yeah, like, if they would have, so you're suggesting they make an Iron Man movie with War Machine or with uh, James Rhodes as Iron Man. Yeah, like, that could have been Iron Man 3. Like, they could have done, like, you know, Tony still in the supporting role, not in the Iron Man suit, kind of doing the, 
you know, like they could still have him be in it, but have him like be more of like the sidekick to Rhodey being the main Iron Man. And then the end of the movie is we see so Tony take the suit back and then like they're geared up for, you know, like, yeah, all right, the team's back together, you know? That, yeah. I would have been about that. That, that could have been that could have been interesting. And it's a it's a way around uh the the real reason that James becomes Iron Man, which is uh if I'm remembering correctly, Tony's addiction to alcohol, right? Like Yeah, yeah. It's it's it, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, but I feel like it was sometime after the demon in the bottle storyline where he was like really went off the fucking deep end and then he was kinda like, I gotta stop being Iron Man and like get healthy. And Rhodey became Iron Man and Tony uh, was like his Alfred basically. Like he would do tech support for him and he tested out new suits for him and stuff. And he would like throw on the suit in like dire circumstances. But like for a while, uh, Rhodey was just the guy and Tony was kind of getting his health in order. And I feel like that would have been perfect in the aftermath of Avengers, you know? The very first comic book that I can remember reading is Secret Wars. And I've talked about this in the past, but in Secret Wars, James Rhodes is Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always thought that was so weird. <laughs> but uh, now I think it's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I feel like that would have been a really cool way to do this. You know, like that, that would have been, that would have been my pitch for a War Machine movie, right? Like it honors the history of the comics. It would have been a really cool, natural um, progression from Avengers. It would have like, because I, I thought the whole Tony having PTSD thing was awesome. It just sucks that it gets solved so quickly you know and then it's like all right i'm back i'm iron man again and it's just like it feels like we kind of rush through it and i feel like having a whole movie where he's sidelined in favor of of roadie um and then have him kind of help him through it uh that would have been really cool and it would have been meaningful growth for both of those characters you know not to mention we get the bonus of having the first you know black main character in a in a superhero movie you know like years earlier how does this change things? If this movie gets made, if Shane Black can't get his stuff together for uh, I, I, the, what, what, what initially or what ultimately was Iron Man 3, if that doesn't happen and this War Machine movie gets made, how does that change things? So Iron Man 3 came out in 2012 or 13. 12 or 13, yeah. Right, around, around, right there. around there, yeah. I feel I like it was 13. I feel like if that movie... Okay. I feel like if that movie had been good, I feel like Cyborg would have been pushed up. I agree. Okay. Or 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 maybe we would have gotten Green Lantern with um John Stewart. John Stewart instead. Cuz in the same way that like Wonder Woman came out and then all of a sudden it's like, "Hey, there's a bunch of female superhero stuff coming around the corner." I feel like if we had had this and it had hit, I feel like we would have seen more uh black superheroes by now. You know, disagree. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I do too. Uh, especially, especially in like the the sort of lethal weapon scenario you're putting out, uh, he still would have been sort of flanked and surrounded by, you know, uh, white characters who who you know probably would have gotten a higher billing. Well, I mean, I, I feel like it depends on how the movie's portrayed. Like, if it is like definitely like, you well, know, I, I mean, yeah, I, I I think you're right, but I also. I also think, you know, we, we've seen that happen before and also up until now, basically, uh, like that's sort of how it's been, 
Like I, I, I guess I, I don't have I don't have confidence enough in Marvel that that it would have played out a different way. I yeah, I'm not necessarily saying that we would have seen a lot more from Marvel. I think that the market would have been reactionary to it in the same way that I feel like um, we have. I, I just feel like Hollywood's reactionary. But I, I think the point you're making is I can see where you're coming from of like having one black leading man in a movie where everybody else is white is a lot different than Black Panther. Also, uh, the the thing about Wonder Woman inspiring movies with women is actually uh, – it's, it's not it's – it's a misnomer because those movies were already getting made. Uh, hmm. all, That's fair. All the movies that are coming now were already on the docket. So Wonder Woman just happened to get out first. But Captain Marvel was already going to come. Uh, not Batgirl. Batgirl was, Batgirl was coming. Batgirl was absolutely Oh, shit. Coming. No, you're right. Fuck. <laughs> uh, Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad inspired the Harley Quinn craze, not Wonder Woman. So yep. her, no, so, yeah, her yeah. solo movie was already going to come. N- none of the major things that we have seen in that realm have been inspired by anything that's already happened and i don't yeah. think that wonder that war machine would have changed that i think i, I mean you you mentioned green lantern john stewart's already going to be in green lantern corpse i don't think i i honestly don't think literally anything changes yeah that. um and like uh, you know to this is sort of tangentially related but just on the on the topic of how um how long it takes an impact for for you know something to happen uh i i think uh, i read that ryan coogler he was doing an interview and the um the the interviewer asked about how uh how this was inspired by the 2016 election and he was like this this project was already like it was written it was mostly finished by then and like there's so much in black panther like even watching it now that you can see is just like you know it's it's almost an anti-trump you know film but like you know it was written well before he even came around yeah 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 and 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 what's funny about you saying that too is that um black panther was kind of fast-tracked uh so like as fast as it was made, it was still made too slow to be a co- to be able to comment on what's happening right now. So that's that, I, th- I just think that's really interesting. Um, but yeah, you, we know that these studios work years and years in advance. It's very hard for them to react that fast to uh, something like this. I don't think that the War Machine movie changes anything. If it gets mm-hmm. like maybe maybe if anything, they might add like a Power Man Iron Fist either series or movie but i like that that would come further down the road yeah i don't know i like you're right that it would be further down the road but i'm just thinking in the context of it being a 2013 movie and like where we're at in 2018 like i don't i don't know that it would have taken this long for black panther but that's just me huh i yeah i especially especially if you especially when you consider the fact that the guy who wrote war machine is also the guy who wrote Black Panther. If that movie came out and was a success and was a proven, you know, proved that his vision worked, like, I feel like they would have put him to work on another movie, right? And it probably would have made sense for them to give him another, well, hey, the black superhero thing worked last time. Let's, we got plenty of black superheroes. Who you want? 
Ryan, Who's next? Ryan Coogler still wasn't a guy. He still wasn't, you know, I don't think Creed had come out yet. Um, no, no I'm saying like 2015. if this movie had come out and was successful, that would have been a, 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 a feather in his cap. I know what you're saying, you know? but Ryan Coogler, who directed the movie, uh, didn't have – he wasn't on anyone's radar at the time. Um a lot, like a lot of the 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 machines at play, a lot of the the wheels turning, didn't coalesce until this yeah. moment. Mm-hmm. And I think that Marvel, it's a good point. Marvel, obviously, and this is actually something that I was going to talk about, but cut. Marvel very clearly wanted Black Panther to be a film for a while, and if you look at um, several prior movies, there are there are allusions to. To that fact, like Wakanda is clearly visible on a map in, oof, in Iron Man two. Um, yeah, wh- a while ago. In in a in a movie, Bruce Banner mispronounces Wakanda. Uh, like there's 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 various illusions, and then obviously Civil War was the launching pad um, for Black Panther. And Civil War only came out two years after. Iron Man three, so yeah, that's it's a good point. That's a, a good point. Tight timeline. I think, especially the thing that you pointed out too about it, it would have certainly been a very different movie if it had come out sooner. Because, like, I think the the thing you said about the director is obviously poignant, but I also feel like, um, and maybe maybe I'm maybe he just wasn't on my radar then. But I also I don't feel like Michael B. Jordan was as big a star then. Like I feel like his star has definitely been on the rise in the last couple of years. Well, like I said, Creed still hadn't come out, so Creed right. was like and his that was like coming out party. Yeah, that was a huge like breakout performance. He before that he was in that movie uh, Fruitvale Station. No, it was the one by the guy who did Cloverfield. I wasn't J.J. Abrams, but it was the other guy uh, where the kids get superpowers. It had uh, oh, Dave DeHaan. Chronicle, yes, he was in that. Okay. He, he was in that, and then that's what lo- that's what landed him um, Fantastic Four. Human yeah, Torch. yep. So I always, I always forget he was in that fucking garbage pile. His his career was in a in a different sort of place at that time. I really feel like now is the time for Black Panther, but we'll we'll talk yeah. more about that later on. Um, <clears throat> so this is this is just a quick little interesting tidbit. Uh, hashtag biggest fail ever. Uh, Sony turned down the movie rights. To every single Marvel hero except Spider-Man 20 years ago. That was a smart move. Could you imagine being that guy? What? What the? Why? They've had two pretty, I mean, fairly successful Spider-Man franchises since then, you know? Yeah, but the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Kale... Uh, like, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have known about that. They would check have it out. fucked it up. Check it out. But still, <laughs> hold on, hold on. Go, yeah. So there's a, ahead, there's a ahead. book called, and it's not out yet. It's upcoming. Uh, the big picture: the fight for the future of movies. It's written by Ben Fritz, and it recounts the moment in 1998 when a Sony executive apparently stated that nobody gives a shit about any of the other Marvel characters. Go back and do a deal for only Spider-Man. 
1998, a, a young Sony Pictures executive named Yair Landau was tasked to, with securing the theatrical screen rights to Spider-Man. His company had DVD rights to the Web Slinger, but needed the rest in order to make the movie. Marvel Entertainment, then only a famed name in the comic book world, had just begun trying to make film deals. The company was fresh out of bankruptcy and desperate for cash, so its new chief, Ike Perlmutter, responded with a more audacious offer. Sony, he countered, could have the movie rights to nearly every Marvel character, Iron Man, Thor, Ant-Man, Black Panther, and more, for $25 million. Sony executives weren't interested in the deal, something they probably aren't keen to remember, as now the as the now Disney-owned Marvel makes multiple billion-dollar movies. Fucking idiot, idiot, dude! I like, and I don't even like that line of thinking was correct at that time. Right. But that is so stupid and short-sighted. Like it doesn't matter. Like that was that's what the Marvel Cinematic Universe's thing was, right? Was you don't give a shit about Iron Man? Or can- All right, well we'll make you give a shit. I, I don't know. To but me, it took, it's like it took Marvel to do that. Like yeah, but but I don't know, man. For me, it's like if you work for a company that is a multi-million, multi-billion-dollar company, right? Like, and you have the chance to own the rights to an IP like that, you take it, you know, and like you leverage it however you can. Like, I don't know, man. Like, it's like, yeah, they've had three or, you know, we'll say one and a half successful Spider-Man franchises since then. But it's like, there's also the X-Men. Like, you know, it's like the X-Men were already like a proven thing at that point with like, kids like i don't know man it that just seems so short-sighted to me like i get not wanting like cap and iron man and black panther and some of the more like b and c listers i guess but like take it take them all fucking i don't know yeah i that i i i do wonder where uh x-men was in this because in uh, yeah by then it was already sold yeah yeah okay okay because, yeah, like, it, Iron Man didn't hit until 10 years later. It wasn't until the movie. Right. 10 years later. Yeah. So, I, like, nobody would have seen that coming. No, but that's the, that's your job as an executive is to see that coming of being like, okay, well, yeah, I'm sure we could make another movie with some of these characters. Let's do it. But, like... We'll make the money back know, on man. Spider-Man. It would have been... I mean, it was a conservative decision because it was only the one character and it was the one that had the most um like fame around it right and like totally to your point like they should have done it but i mean why didn't anybody else pick them up like you know you you would have you would have thought like fox would have also potentially gone to uh potentially gotten a similar deal um for all the characters but they might have only chosen like one or one or two again the x-men fantastic four because there was no and there there is no necessary uh like support creatively for for these books to get translated into into movies back then because i mean who knows if they're going to work or not there's no tried or tested um example of it necessarily and those that were might have flopped a bit and so it puts you in a position and it puts you in a position where you can't really totally you can say with like hindsight oh you should have done it but also at the time it's like why would you spend your money on these things where you don't know if you're going to have a return on? And Marvel was the one who that had to do it 
because potentially no one else was biting on these offers because nobody else outside of Marvel had any actual, not necessarily tr- faith that it would work out, but had the willingness to actually do it, whether or not it was going to provide a return. Well, I, you're obviously right, right? Because otherwise I feel like those characters' rights would have gotten sold to somebody yeah. and they didn't. Sure, but here's the deal, right? Like every single movie that Sony has made starring uh, Spider-Man, every single movie that Fox has made starring any X-Men character has made more than $25 million. Totally. So the And that's something that I think you could have easily seen in 1998 for the simple fact that the Batman movies existed. $25 million is a drop in the bucket for a film studio. And if you bought those characters to just sit on them, that would still be valuable because then no one else has them. I I don't see any scenario where I'm in that position and I don't sign off on spending $25 million for characters. Spider-Man 1 alone made how many times more than $25 million? Right, exactly. And that's my point. It's like you break even like on that. And it's like, yeah, but but so what? Like, you know... Yeah, like you know Spider-Man, like you know you want to make a Spider-Man movie because you believe it's going to sell, right? So like why wouldn't – I don't know. Like you don't think you're going to make that money back in the first movie or the sequel if it does well enough. You know what I mean? Like I, like I get it that you're you're right that it was a conservative move in hindsight's 2020 and we're comic book people. But it's like – to me, it's like it's IP management. Like that's – like you should be in the business of trying to buy as much IP as you can because to Sean's point, even if you do make the Spider-Man movie, well, I don't want someone else to go and make another movie that competes with mine even if Spider-Man is more popular. You know, and it's like, and who's to say that they couldn't have been like, oh, well, let's fucking throw an Iron Man cameo in our our popular Spider-Man sequel. And then we make an Iron Man movie or whatever. Like, that's like, that's like, to me, that's your job as the executive making that deal of seeing the angles of seeing how you can make that money or prevent other people from making money. If and and the only other point I wanted to make was um, if we were talking about two hundred million dollars, I would totally agree with you because. That's a lot of money, and you definitely can't say for sure that you're going to make that money back on one or even two or maybe even three films um, that then also have production costs associated with them. But to me, $25 million is a drop in the bucket when you're talking about big big picture movies, um, you know, blockbuster films. And so for, for the sake of future-proofing alone, I buy. Yeah. Absolutely, man. But I'm not an executive. Black Panther is projected to make $200 million plus dollars this opening weekend. Gosh, imagine if Sony owned that. Um, <laughs> they would have fucked it up. You're, you're absolutely right. <laughs> uh, that I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, so it made $25 million from Thursday night, the Thursday night showings. Um, and it's anticipated to have made $72 million on Friday, and um, it really doesn't have any competition. So, I mean, Fifty Shades Freed is the only other movie that's out, and uh, that's not good. So, um, Black Panther is expected to beat Iron Man 3, the three-day total that that had, and um, either beat or exceed Captain America's Captain America 3's um, three-day total of $179 million. So wow, uh, this is a massive, massive success, and it's calling into question 
the prior belief that a movie with an all black cast could not make blockbuster level dollars. So, well, and this is even like <laughs> it's funny because this is even way more extreme than that, right? Like the conventional wisdom of like, oh, right, like a movie that's all about black people isn't going to sell or has a predominantly black cast. This is also about it's a predominantly black cast and it's in Africa. Like, it's not even, like, Americans. Like, it's super, super not, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's so outside of the norm for what American audiences are going to go see. Um, And, it, you know, it just proves that the conventional wisdom is fucking bullshit. Just like the conventional wisdom that nobody gives a shit about anybody but Spider-Man, right? It's like, it's fucking audience out here, man. Like, no one one has ever accused uh, Hollywood executives of being the genius creative people in the world. And sometimes you just have to do some, do something and prove people wrong and hats off to, you know, Marvel for, you know, believing in this project. Um, and putting the right people in, in charge of it. Yeah. You know, 100, like across the board. Yeah. Um, so real quick, I flubbed, I forgot to do the palace pulls earlier. So we're going to hit that real quick. Um, so Pete chose Punk's Not Dead number one. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I don't know too much about this book. I just I found it while I was looking around this week for stuff coming out. Uh, it's a new book from IDW from their new imprint, uh, Black Crown. Huh. Um, it's written by David Barnett and Martin and Martin Simmons does the art and uh, or Simmons with a D at the end Simmons. Um, but it sounds interesting. It's about a 15 year old kid uh, named Fergie whose mother is a single mother and is like. You know, seems like she's not very involved in his life. And he, um, like basically binds with the ghost of, of a, of a, of a punk idol named Sid. So for those of you who don't know, that's obviously a nod to Sid Vicious from the Sex Pistols. And, uh, and then basically, like, he becomes his, like, quote, unruly ghost sidekick. And he gets, like, weird ghost superpowers. So. I, this sounds ridiculous as fuck, but I, I'm going to give it a shot. Um, yeah, it hits me right where I live. Punk rock, uh, you know, story about a sad teenager with supernatural stuff going on. Like, all right. Yeah. Sounds fun. So Black Crown is actually Shelly Bond's imprint at IDW. Hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's, that's really cool. Uh, Kale. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, not a new imprint. It's a new series from this imprint. I'm excuse, excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, Kale shows capture creatures trade. Uh, yeah. So this is a book by uh, oh, and this is a part of the show where Kale mispronounces somebody's name. Uh, by uh, Becky Drystadt and Frank Gibson. Um, it it seems like it's really just like a a big Pokemon sort of. I don't know. Ripoff seems too harsh, but you know, ripoff for a lack of a better word, but like, or homage, I guess maybe, uh, I am into it. It sounds great. Anyway, it's the trade. Um, so, you know, I'll go get it. What's it called again? <laughs> Capture creatures. Capture creatures. Okay. Who's publishing this one? Uh, good question. Let me find out. <laughs> All right. Why don't we, <laughs> Let Marco go there. Boom. It's boom. Okay. <laughs> cool. Uh, and then you also chose Deathbed number one. 
So this is that uh, series that we we talked about it a few weeks ago from um, well now I can't remember the writer, but the, I know the art is done by uh, Rico Suave Renzi. Okay, boy, just did a bad job this week. <laughs> just did a bad job this week. <laughs> And here I thought the show was going to run smoother without Phil. Please. <laughs> uh, okay, so it was Josh. It's Joshua Williamson and Riley Rossmo. Oh, oh, sweet. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. It, so it, this is a series about the uh, the. It's he's uh, the the focus of the book is is about this woman who goes out to try to find uh, uh like an old style adventurer who just vanished um and all of the the guy lives in like a remote castle somewhere and um this the this woman uh the character's name is val she uh she um goes to hear his all of his stories and and um she's um whisked into an insane world of psychedelic violence and explosive supernatural adventure sounds awesome cool. sweet sounds like far cry so when that's <laughs> so when that's all edited together that that this will this book promo will sound great <laughs> yeah except for our video listeners who just get to see you ramble through about five minutes of silence <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when your video producer shitty and can't edit oh, oh. ouch man savage uh, and uh, okay, what was that called again that one deathbed deathbed okay and then marco chose cave carson swamp thing special number one yep um so this is actually ties into part four of the milk wars um and it's a crossover with cave carson swamp thing um it's written by john rivera and drawn by langdon foss um and i don't know it's swamp thing so i'm there for it and it's cave carson cave carson's been amazing and so I'm just excited to see these two characters really cross over. I thought Oming was going to be on art, but it's not. It's uh, it's Foss. So I mean, either way, I'm I'm really looking forward to it. the art for the previews has been really cool. Um, so I'm really excited to see how this book comes out. Sick, cool. Uh, I chose Black Panther Annual Number One. Obviously, I am in Black Panther mode. Um, but this is actually really cool because it is bringing back several legendary Black Panther writers. Um, Don McGregor is is making a return, um, famous for the Panther's Rage storyline, which actually introduces Killmonger. So there's that. Um, and then also Christopher Priest is coming back, which is super, super cool. And Reginald Hudlin is also making his return, although I'm not the most enthusiastic person about his run. Uh, he is coming back for a story here. Uh, and Ken Lashley is going to be doing some art. So really good creative team, and I'm excited to see what they bring to the table with this celebration of the Black Panther with this annual. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And then Infinity Countdown Prime. This is the start of Marvel's big event, and I like events, so I'm in. Uh, I have this much confidence, but... <laughs> but they reeled you in with the uh, the, the event, right? Yep. No, I. You know that you 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 remember how they weren't gonna have events, and Sean was like, "Nah, sorry, I'm out." They said, "Oh, well, we better have an event," so they did. And here's Sean. Okay, well, I'm back in. <laughs> yeah. I love events. I endorse them. <laughs> 
Sean is one of the last pundits on the internet willing to say nice things about us. We got to speak to him or we're fucked. (laughs) (laughs) I am a loyalist. (laughs) So, uh, this week, there's been some some rumors and some rumblings uh, that we could be on the way to getting a Kitty Pride movie. Now... Yes. Uh, we talked about this already. 20th, this came up a couple weeks 20th ago. 20th Century Fox has hired Brian Michael Bendis to develop a script for Tim Miller, the guy who directed Deadpool. Um, and we don't know what the movie is supposed to be because there's been no official announcement. But um, Deadline is reporting. The reporter, Mike Fleming Jr., is saying he has confirmed that it is a new feature that is set in the X-Men universe and it has a title of 143. Now, movies always have like a, you know, a, a working title, a shooting title that they use. Um, the Dark Knight had a weird one. It was like Rory's Kiss or something like that. Star Wars um, was Blue Harvest. Yeah. Uh, so 143 is a very interesting number for two reasons. Number one is that uh, it... It in in like number language or whatever it stands for I love you so one I four love three you uh, so there's that oh, huh. but then the other really interesting thing is that uh, in Uncanny X Men number one forty three Kitty Pride is left alone on Christmas Eve in the mansion and is attacked by an oh, Agari. That's a good issue. I haven't read it. Shut up. You never read it. Yeah. The, she's stuck in the thing. Uh, Lockheed is there. He, like, helps her get out and stuff. Yeah, totally. I, Bro, I've read almost oh, yeah, all yeah, yeah. of X-Men. <laughs> yeah, Marco likes to say he doesn't like superheroes, but... Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, there's a mansion. Like, you know, it's a demon. Like, no, I think, I think he's right, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, no, he, I, I totally am. He absolutely like I've never read it and I know that much. Yeah. yeah, of course. Like he's right, but like he gave he gave us the broadest strokes possible. I trust him. No, like, like there's moments where she gets freaked he, out. We she's did in the, the whole, danger we room. We did the whole episode about the X Men and he talked about fucking you know the the late eighties like okay. stuff. So um, <laughs> that leads us and the writer at Deadline to suggest that there is going to be a Kitty Pride movie coming and that Brian Michael Bendis is writing it. That's weird. Uh, because Brian Michael Bendis no longer works for Marvel. Um so whatever. I mean, yeah, whatever, but it's like it's 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 odd. It's not that's it not is typical. Odd. I'm not saying that that makes it bad or whatever. I'm just saying it's odd. No, yeah. Um, I gotcha. So let's say that this is correct. Let's say there is a Kitty Pride movie coming. Let's say Tim Miller's directing and Brian Michael Bendis is uh, writing it. Is I, that, I, go ahead. I do think that's all confirmed. I don't uh, think that's because confirmed. Bendis said this week uh, on Twitter, it may have been yesterday, that uh, somebody asked him about going back to Miles Morales, and he his answer was basically. Uh, I don't have any plans to. I wrote everything at Marvel uh, as though it's my final pieces on all of my uh, characters. And then I left for DC. And this week I got a call to write for Kitty Pryde. Uh, so I think okay. I think it's I think it's happening. You know what? I okay. just I just pulled that up. Um, 
at, he doesn't say Kitty Pride. He says, then I got a call to make an X-Men movie. Okay. So still still not quite the confirmation that we're looking for. Right. Um, sure. Okay. But let's uh, let's work under the assumption that it's all true. Is this a shot in the arm? Is this what superhero films need? Is this going to help further the quote-unquote genre? Or is this an example of a B-list hero who making a movie about contributes to the uh, oversaturation that everybody likes to talk about? And does it run the risk of tiring out the genre? Is this the kind of like you know, film that's not going to draw people in and is going to exhaust them on the overwhelming amount of superhero films that get released. I, uh, I feel like we don't know enough about it to really speak to that. Like, I feel like there's totally a chance that this is, um, a part of the kind of initiative we've seen from the Fox camp of doing things that are a little bit more out there. Like, New Mutants is a horror movie, right? Like, we have, um, you know, like, a more serious character drama on television in Legion. Like, there's a chance that this movie is something more akin to that than it is to a solo superhero movie about Kitty Pryde. Um, That being said, the fact that they are interested in having Bendis writes it leads me to think, like, that's probably not the case. Because... Like, he's not exactly known for doing that stuff. Like, he does very much write, like, meat and potato superhero comics, you know? Um, so, I, I don't I don't know. Like, I, I'm biased because I like Kitty Pride. So, like, I'm interested in a solo Kitty Pride movie. I could see the average moviegoer not being that way. But I don't necessarily think that's a problem. Because yeah. I, I think... I think similar to what you're saying, Sean, um, you know, kind of derisively, uh, the idea of people who complain about superhero saturation, like, it's, I think it's just proven that it's not a big problem. Like, I think if the studio has proper expectations for each movie and they perform to those expectations, it's okay. Like, Ant-Man didn't sell as much as Civil War, but, like, it was profitable and there was an audience that enjoyed it. And I I don't see why this movie couldn't find the same. Um, and I think if it does suck, I feel like people just won't see it, you know, like, and I think that's totally reasonable because it isn't a big event movie and it is about a character that's popular with a certain subsection, subsection of comic book fans, but I don't think has like mass appeal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I don't really believe in that whole narrative. Like I, I, I think that superhero oversaturation is something that could easily happen, um, at some point, but I don't think we're there yet. Um, and I, I feel like we'll see a massive market shift when we are there, you know, that like there will be the movie that is the straw that breaks the camel's back and then a bunch of movies flop and then it goes away. That's probably how this whole thing ends. But I don't think Kitty Pride is going to be the thing to do it. You know, I, I feel like people are really invested in the MCU and everything else is kind of like extra. 
you know, and there are obviously a lot of people that aren't that way, but I feel like the general movie going audience is really actively engaging with Marvel stuff. And otherwise they kind of go with the general consensus, you know, like I, like obviously um, some of the DC movies have performed well, but like justice league didn't do quite as well as, as expected. Right. And I feel like that's kind of a reaction to people finally being sick of it and being like, I'm not going to waste my money going to see another DC movie. Um, so I, I think, you know, that could be that for the X-Men. I don't think it's that for the genre. Yeah. Um, I, I think just like adding to, I, I mostly agree with you, Pete. Like, I think that this is a direction that Fox is, will maybe take uh, to sort of break the, the mold a bit more with some of the stuff that we've seen in the past. Um, I'm not really familiar with Bendis's work as much. So I, I guess I'll, I mean, I can't speak to whether or not how the direction he'll want to take it in. Um, but I'm assuming it is something to what you said, where it's like he is a more meat and potatoes kind of comics writer and bringing him onto this this project might affect that in some way, maybe make it a little more superhero-y. But I think it does boil down to the, the way that they're going to position this movie to something we spoke about earlier, like the way that they're going to push the movie and sort of the the narrative they could have, they're going to build around it like even outside of the content is going to be the deciding factor as to whether or not it's going to be successful and then ultimately the content in and of itself uh i mean if they make it like you're right it, she is a b-list superhero but if you can position it maybe like if this was a romantic comedy film like man i'd be there so hard um but and that and that'd be something to break the mold Oh, yeah. you know, outside of something that that's something we haven't necessarily seen you know we, we've seen the romantic tension with like Ant-Man and stuff but there's never been a sort of movie like that and so if they position it in that way and they they spin it in a specific way I, I can see this being a successful movie but to your point I don't think we have enough information yet to really make that call uh, I just I hope it'll it'll turn out to be something like that not necessarily a romantic comedy movie, but something where it it breaks the mold a little bit because of the way that Fox sort of does its movies and it tries to, or at least the company tries to position it in a certain way that appeals to people to, to bring them in. Yeah, not to not to go off on like a huge tangent, but like I I think that would be such a good idea, Mark. Well, then don't. Like okay, I was just gonna I was gonna speak to how much I liked your idea, you little shit. Oh, I love it. You're a fucking bastard. You're a rat bastard. I love it. Kale, go ahead. Amazing. Fuck you. Um I I think this will be good uh for the X-Men specifically. Um I think um I I, I know I've said before that Deadpool is the best X-Men movie that's out there uh specifically because of the way they use colossus and negasonic teenage warhead um <clears throat> because there's there's so much more to the x-men universe than what the the films have given us and i think i think even just uh a movie f featuring one of them you know this one happening to be kitty pride i think i think is a very good move um and then as far as like the 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 b-lister question i don't know um i think i i do think we're sort of at that point and i think um i think i think sort of the 
the argument against that, you know, you could sort of put in uh, like Ghost Rider. You know, Ghost Ghost Rider's like a I would even make him a C-list character. Like that's to me that was a movie that just there was no reason for it to be made. <laughs> but it wasn't a success either. Yeah, and I mean, other than like you know what we talked about earlier is just like, well, the IP was for sale, so fuck it. Um, but I th- I I do think we're at that point now where where we're gonna have to start exploring more of that universe in smaller subsections of it than you know these massive blockbuster films you know um uh we've we've uh, we tossed this around a long time ago but like and i don't want to get into the argument but like uh you know i i've said before that i think a spider-man teen drama series would serve spider-man better than the movies specifically because spider-man is is more uh like a lot of the drama around spider-man happens in peter parker's personal life and it's how spider-man relates to that and then you know the the villains and stuff add to that but then you know it's all it's all the aunt mays and the mary janes and the gwen stacy's um uh, we're gonna have to start branching out in some form or fashion um, and and Fox is doing this. Marvel's doing it to a degree with Guardians and 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 Black Panther. Um, so I I think I think this I I think this is a good move, and I think I think tapping a, a comic book writer who who likes this character to do it is a great call. Yeah, Ben is like loves Kitty Pride. So. Yeah. Uh. So first of all, Brian Michael Bendis is not a he's not a like meat and potato superhero comics writer he he, i felt i felt weird about that too he cut his teeth in very pulpy crime stories Mm. and i would argue that a lot of his best work ever is in that realm um and that and that his superhero stuff is probably his weaker stuff Barring uh, um, Miles Morales or Ultimate Spider-Man, like all that, and um, yeah, that, that's what I was saying though. Like in the context of superhero stuff, like the superhero stuff that he writes is like not. I mean, like Jessica Jones is obviously like a Nor kind of vibe, but like you know, I I mean, I don't know. Go ahead, sorry. Um, so I think that if if you were going to tap a comic book writer. To tell a story about Kitty Pride, uh, I would literally he would be the first person I would think about, uh, if not Joss Whedon, because I know that Joss Whedon is also a huge fan, but I don't really consider him like a mainline comics writer because he cut his teeth in television. Um, so, yeah, that that is a match made in heaven, and maybe he writes the the treatment he comes up with the idea maybe you bring in a more seasoned film writer to polish it or whatever but getting bendis on the outset looks great uh where i am worried is i don't know the appeal of a kitty pride movie 
uh, just point blank. And I and and I want to make this super duper clear. I love Kitty Pride, and it's not because Kitty Pride is a woman. I think the Gambit movie is a bad idea. I think that's dumb. I thought it was dumb when they wanted to make a Cyclops movie. That makes no sense. Preach. <laughs> Coming to church on my Sunday morning. Oh boy. I I am not a big fan of the I because to me the X Men work best as a collective, and very few of them work great alone. I think um, whatever. There are some that work great alone. Wolverine, he's perfectly fine on his own. I could see the merit in like a Magneto movie. I could see, you know like there's certain spaces, but you know I don't need a Cyclops movie. I can get his story in just a, an X Men movie, and I feel that way about Kitty Pride. Um, I don't really know that there's this great need for her to have a solo movie. That being said, though, I think uh, I think it was Kale that made the point that it might be time where we need, where we do need to start tapping into the B list or whatever to get different points of view, different perspectives, different kinds of movies. The question is, does the audience want that? And I'm not clear on that answer being yes. In fact. I'm leaning more towards no. Uh, I think a big. I think if the Gambit movie would have come out, it would have flopped. I think Deadpool worked because a it was real good, but b Deadpool's been popular for a long time. Deadpool was super over way before the movie came out, and in fact, if anything, you could say they were late to that party with that movie. Gambit's popularity was 20 years ago, and he's yeah, not really he doesn't resonate in that same way. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think Kitty Pride has ever been the most popular, second or third most popular X person. Um, and that, to me, is a red flag in terms of making a movie about that character. However, people said the same thing about Guardians, and they said it about Ant Man, and they were wrong. I didn't say that about Even Black Panther and, and Black Panther. I didn't say that about those situations, but I'm saying it here. And I very easily could be wrong. And I'm ready for that. Because if the movie's good and it does well, that's great. I'm happy. I just don't think it's a good idea to do this because I don't think that the interest is there. But do I think the movie could be good? Yeah. I feel like there's so many variables that we just don't know, though. You know, because like I feel like... I feel like with this Kitty Pride movie, like, yeah, it's a Kitty Pride solo movie. But she's not going to be alone, right? Like, there's going to be other X-Men in this movie. And, like... I don't know that a Kitty Pride like solo movie necessarily has super wide appeal, but if it's like Kitty Pride and like Nightcrawler, those are two B-list characters that I think do have significant groups of fans. These two characters have a history together. Um, I feel like you could put a few other like fan favorite characters with her on a small team of like two or three people, and you might get some of those 90s X-Men people that grew up you know, reading the comics or watching the cartoon and have, have have affinity for some of these lesser known X-Men, you know, um, not necessarily lesser known, but you know what I mean? Like not fucking Wolverine or Cyclops. Yes. And I think, I think if you, I haven't read this issue. So Marco, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, Happy it, from what from <laughs> from what I understand, like it it takes place in the X mansion, right? right. Like on on Christmas, like, and that's mm-hmm. it. Yep. I think if you keep it there and keep it localized um, 
to to that setting i think i think that will play a lot better than you know making it uh bigger oh something like that would be so cool if it was like bottled and it was only in the mansion like you never yeah. leave the mansion and then because of that they have more money for more characters because they're not see i i don't know i think i think you would have to like honestly i think you would have to use that money on the on the effects because you've got kitty pride going through walls you've got whatever you know garbage is haunting her um you know <laughs> yeah i don't know i i feel like that would be cool I'm I'm inclined to think that this movie will not feature prominently any other X-Men because if they're drawing from the story where there are no other X-Men, I don't I don't suggest that there will be no other ones that will appear, but I think she will be the front and center character and that the story will largely revolve around her dealing with whatever this is. And on top of that, yeah, yeah. there is evidence to suggest that Fox is willing to do this because the Gambit movie the the plot that got leaked had no other X Men. It was just Gambit, um, and th- I don't think that they're afraid to do that. Um, It'd be so interesting. And 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 again, like if it's if it's not Wolverine, if it's not like like Deadpool is a bad example, just because Deadpool himself is already a megastar. That movie didn't do better numbers because Colossus was in it. You know. That movie did no, the numbers no, no. it did because it was just Deadpool. Um, yeah, he just needed somebody to bounce off of. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, Colossus, I don't even know that Colossus was really that character. Like, you know, like, he was, I think he was there because it was funny, you know, like, of, like, the the whole, ex- the whole expansion is empty except for Colossus. Like, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's a... It's a but I feel like even in, like, you know, in the, obviously Deadpool, like, I think they wanted to also give him people to fight with. For the big fight scene, you know, and like mm-hmm. we can show up mm-hmm. other characters with powers, which is cool. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like they were kind of there just for like mostly Easter eggs and for Deadpool to have somebody to like talk at, you know, so it's not the entire thing is him talking to himself or breaking the fourth wall. It's like he can, you know, Colossus was like a straight man, you know, for him in a lot of ways, you know, Um or like that scene where he like he's giving him the speech about being a hero and then he like decapitates that guy and he just throws up, you know, and like you kind of like need other characters to like react to Deadpool, I feel like. And if this is like a more insolent, like if they are really going to base it off this issue, you're probably right that like Kitty doesn't really need someone in that. It could be more about her like going through this like experience. Well- so like the the issue itself is basically around her thinking that she isn't capable to be an x-men and so like that that's essentially what the the plot of the story so she's alone and she manages to go through this without the help of anybody she she grows into the the role that she can be an x-men and that she can in fact prove herself that speaking to that like um because we don't know anything about this movie it might um I, this might be a good uh, spot to make it like a sort of uh, like a, a younger audience uh, situation. You know, maybe a, like a, a younger audience uh, a scary scary movie because those aren't quite horror movies, you know. But like like uh, like Monster House. Yeah, like not something that's like psychologically terrifying, like but that right. is like a thriller, creepy and spooky. Yeah. And it would be good to have, you know, the the young Kitty Pride lead there. 
Right, yeah, have her actually be played like by a teenager. That that represents the last thing that I wanted to bring up, which is that I really don't like Fox Fox's uh I don't like the way that Fox handles these characters and that the Kitty Pride idea is a great idea to me if it's if it's spinning out of an X-Men movie that she's actually in. Kitty Pride hasn't appeared in an X-Men movie unless I'm misremembering something since uh X-Men the Last Stand and that came out in like 2005. So yeah. That's already she she sorry, she was in um, right. She was in Days, Days of Future Past, of Future but it yeah, wasn't was it wasn't yeah. prominent. It was yeah. yeah. She was she had that that small role. She's the one who sent uh, Wolverine into the past. Yeah, yeah. The last time she had a main line role was in um, the Last Stand. Audiences are not super familiar with her, and there's not that tether of hey, remember when she was in uh. Dark Phoenix, well, guess what? Here's a spinoff movie. Uh, we don't have that. And I don't like that Fox just kind of throws things at the wall and just to, just to see what sticks. They announced like several uh, X-Men Origins movies, and the only one that happened was Wolverine. Uh, and that's obvious. But all the other ones failed to be made. And Gambit's been talked about since then. He was one of those characters that was announced. So, And that's also the worst movie they've ever put out. Uh, Wolverine, yeah, yeah. That first yeah, Wolverine Origins, movie. Yeah, Origins, that movie was, was not, horrible. it was like terrible. Uh, so I'm not saying that I think this movie will be on that level of bad. I don't even think it'll be bad. I'm just saying I don't think that it makes any level of strategic sense at all. And it, it seems like there is no strategy there. They just make movies. And maybe that's what people want. Maybe people want those kind of continuity light or continuity free films, but I don't. And that's just me. So I, I do. It's possible that Kitty's in Phoenix though, right? I mean, like, I don't think potentially, so. Potentially. I mean, you never know. I, yeah. Like just because we haven't like got the announcement that she's in it, doesn't mean that she doesn't like make a cameo or like have a bit part, you know, like they could totally have her because it was in what X2 where Kitty's in it as like a little, little girl for like minutes, you know, and like has like a line maybe like it's not like she's a prominent character, but that's the movie that is going to be in the 90s. And like maybe that's going to be like when they introduce her and like kind of like a, you know, um, like a Jubilee kind of thing of like, oh, she's like the youngest member of the team and she's not really like confident and we don't take her out on missions because she's a kid. And then this movie spins off from that and is literally the, you know, the issue in question. That might work. I don't, I don't agree about the Dark, Fen- the Dark Phoenix part because that's going to be shitty. But like, <laughs> you know, if you, if you, if you take it from like a kid's movie and you see her just sort of you know maybe house sitting the x-man mansion because i don't know you know spitballing here the the rest of the x-men are gonna go uh visit their families for christmas or some you know some kid-friendly reason right and she's jewish They're, so they left her home alone that's yeah uh that's so mean <laughs> she's gonna get she's gonna get chinese food and you know i think that's addressed uh, in the issue actually um, <laughs> but jewish, like that's why you know I'm here by myself they they make it sort of continuity free so that people will come see it and they don't have to you know strap themselves in for six more x-men movies um 
it's interesting. And it's going to be really compelling to see what does happen here. I'm inclined to not believe that she's in Dark Phoenix because they there is a full list of the cast and she's not on it. And if she was have if she was going to have some like super small non-speaking role, I mean they literally have on this cast list astronaut number two. So if astronaut number two can be on the cast list, I feel like Kitty Pride would all never mind. We would know. Yeah, and and so it's just weird. It's weird, but. You know what? At the end of the day, maybe now's the time to get to get experimental. Maybe now's the time have, to. You know. We have no idea when this would even come out either. You know, like it could. This could be like after another movie that she's actually in. Also, uh, what about the 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 Disney Fox deal? Like this is not. This might not even. Happen. I yeah, yeah. Who knows? Oh God. Fox, what are you doing, man? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> for a second, like, when you, like, for audio listeners, like, Sean just, like, shot back and put his hands on his head. And for a second, I thought you, like, like remembered something. Like, you got this jolt of news or something. But it's just, like, no, it's just you reeling from, like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> this, oh, man, doing this, what we do, uh, the things that, we learn and the things that get announced and the things that, you know, don't come out that do come out. It's just weird. It's just like the wild West. Like you never know. Um, but Hey, we're here for it. It ain't. Yeah. It ain't fucking easy. (laughs) It ain't easy being this cheesy. Right. So, uh, if you'd like to let us know what you think about the, uh, potential of a Kitty pride movie, um, We'd love to hear from you about that or any of of the other things that we talked about on this show. Uh, Keep in mind, again, that our Black Panther review is out. It is out, and you can go listen to it right now or go watch it right now, however you want to consume that. Uh, So make sure to jump over. Uh, We have a robust conversation about that movie, and you're not going to want to miss our opinions about what could be, maybe, possibly the best of the Marvel movies. Um, Who knows? So uh, if you want to write in about that and your thoughts on that movie, you can do so uh, by hitting us up on iTunes where you should also, I should say, Apple Podcast Services, uh, where you can also leave us a rating. Uh, You can catch us on social media at the Comics Pals. Uh, You can write to us at the Comics Pals at gmail.com. And uh, we are on YouTube where you can like this video, share it with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more awesome content. And while you're at it, remember to watch our list video that is out, um, and it's a blast, so definitely do check it out. Uh, apparently, um, there's a, a, a slight issue that someone had with the way that Pete pronounces a particular word. Do you want to uh, say that word for us so we can all understand? Oh, we, we can, let, we can <sighs> okay. have the listeners find out. Yeah, you know what? Go watch the video. Go watch the video and read the comments. Continuity. Oh. Continue. Continue. I can't even do it like Pete does it. Spoiled it. Continue. Continue. All right. Uh, (laughs) Big old continues. And if you are hungering for more Black Panther content, our book club episode about the Black Panther is out. Uh, so definitely go check that out as well. A lot of the stuff in the movie does pull from the book. So you're going to want to check that out if you need a primer. Uh, so let's do some plugs. Pete. Cool. 
So, thank you guys for joining us here on another episode. Episode 69! Oh, nice. I can't believe we forgot. We totally oh, I forgot. Made, I made a gross face at the beginning of the uh, show and everything. I was going to make I a joke. I completely forgot. Oh, right, I feel so, not even here for it. Bam, 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 bam. 69 episodes. Thank you so much. Nice. Um, if you want to <laughs> catch more of me, you can find me and Sean on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, uh, which posts uh, the day after The Comics Pals um, on SoundCloud and uh, all podcast platforms. It goes up on Friday alongside the Comics Pals on YouTube. And then Monday through Thursday, we do the cutouts. You can see our faces, all that fun stuff. Go check that stuff out. Um, I'm also on the Riverdale Review with Kale and Marco, but uh, we just had our last episode before the break uh, dropped last week. So you can go check that out if you're caught up on the show. Um, we'll be back in another two weeks, I think. Uh, March 7th is when the next uh, show is on. So Okay, yeah. So we'll be back then. Um, and then if you want to get some more content from me, you can check out my writing over at CBR. I've got two articles that are still making me money right now. One about uh, 15 facts about – or 15 powers that Carnage has that Venom doesn't. You can go check that one out. And then another one that's about 15 weird facts about the Hulk's body. So that's a fun one too. Um, go check that stuff out and help me pay the bills. Uh, I need to buy new parts for my computer. So – please. And then uh, you can also um, get me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I'm streaming now. So go uh, follow my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash loud Pete. I've been streaming on Fridays with Thompson from the Video Game Pals. It's been a fun time. Uh, Definitely a thing I want to do a lot more of in 2018. So go follow my channel. uh, Get at me in social media to see when I'm going to be going live and let me know what you want to see me do. Awesome. Kale? Uh, please go pick up The Secret Love of Geeks. Uh, it's a, an anthology put together by uh, Dark Horse's uh, Hope Nicholson. Uh, Letty Wilson is in it. She um, does a, a really nice uh, story about um, friendship and um, just like how much like she has grown as a person and as a creator. And uh, you might recognize a cameo. Oh. It's me. Nice little tease. (laughs) (laughs) So that's Kale's uh, Kale's second appearance as a comic book character. That's true. Um, The cool part is that uh, it's uh, every everybody is animals. Um, Oh, what kind of animal is Kale? I guess you'll have to figure it out. Um, Go buy it. Yeah, for those who don't know, Letty did the Pals heads, so yeah. Oh, yeah. Go support her. Friend of the show. We love her. She's been good to us. Uh, She and I also just got announced. Well, not announced. We got approved to be in an anthology, but that'll come. I'll announce that soon. We'll have announcements. Uh, Yeah. Um, Also, don't forget to go listen to Ear Meat, uh, my friend uh, Nathan and Faye's uh, movie review podcast. They're doing the Matrix set of films now. Um, Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be, it's gonna be real good. Their series on uh, Austin Powers was very good. Man, one um, day we we'll have to do a show like that. I, I would love for an excuse to go watch old terrible movies again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Toto Into. That's T O T O I N T O W. Marco, you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um, nothing to plug this week, so. That is except all. Your so plug yourself. Ah, except your butt. Yep. Um, Did that last night. 
Oh. Yo. Oh, uh, and then if you guys want to follow Phil, uh, I don't know why you would, but he's at Cyborg Bebop on Twitter don't. and Instagram. Yeah, you can. That's C-Y-B-O-R-G-B-E-B-O-P. <laughs> Stole my thunder, Pete. I was going to do a whole thing about that. Oh, fuck. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> yeah, all good. Uh, I am on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox, and literally the only thing I want to talk about is Black Panther. So hit me up about that or nothing. Uh, and with that, we are the Comics Pal signing up. Take care, guys. See you next week. Bye.